to show you. Welcome, everybody, to the 10th episode of Sirens of Scream, the geek podcast that proves sometimes dead is better. I'm here with Melissa Megan. Hello. And Jackie DeVore. Hello. How you guys doing? Melissa's like super excited over there. She's like She's bouncing in her seat, excited. <laughs> <laughs> and and we're he- and we're here with Sierra Hauk too. You didn't introduce yourself. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is my first night of vacation. I just I got off of vacation, which we're gonna talk about. I know we're just like we're like trading off. Yeah, I feel like Jackie's getting ripped off here. I'm deep within my Halloween prop horror building time, so that's that's gonna be my vacation for now. It's getting kind of nuts, actually. It's been really fun to watch on Facebook and Instagram. Good. Yeah, if if you guys are at all interested in a uh, Halloween prop building, you should definitely check out Jackie the Robot on Instagram because I've been posting like every little step along the way. Everything looks yummy to me like you're making food yes because <laughs> you don't like you don't want to eat that no <laughs> <laughs> it's like it look at this like- marshmallow fluff how delicious <laughs> marshmallow and like the skeletons all look like they're made out of like big white chocolate cookies or something <laughs> in reality you'd be biting into dense disgusting builder's foam oh no oh, maybe you should open a horror themed bakery is is the Oh man, how rad would that be? That would be so cool. (laughs) There is an Instagram account, uh, but I have to look it up and find the name for it of this woman who makes like horror themed cakes. That is Christine McConnell. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, She's awesome. Yeah. She just had a book come out recently uh, with all of her creations and they're so fucking cool. She does amazing stuff with frosting and I don't know how she makes those shapes that she makes. Pretty incredible. Well, that's one recommendation for the week that we weren't even planning on making. (laughs) (laughs) Although, speaking of recommendations, Mm -hmm. a while back, Melissa, I believe it was you that recommended Penny Dreadful and I finally started watching it. Yes! And it's incredible! Oh my god! It is so good! (laughs) Like, we just started watching it probably three or four days ago, already right through season one isn't it such eye candy like i i want to like pause it and look at every single dress and i want to look at the detail in the houses and I was just gushing about the uh sets last night like oh my god showtime must have spent a lot of money on this show because it's detailed and gorgeous and they recently auctioned off all of the they auctioned off a ton of the set stuff Ooh. did they really yeah i think it was in ireland that Ooh. could be your house your entire house could be penny dreadful oh my god yeah they had it was a lot of the stuff oh you haven't gotten there yet but there's eventually uh, a part where uh there's the she meets someone that runs a museum uh-huh. and there's just like tons and tons of taxidermy and like creepy skulls everywhere. i think i've actually just gotten to there yeah and uh apparently they were filming this in some kind of uh like rented house and you know when it ended very abruptly they just sort of left everything behind and so the people who own the property just decided to auction everything off oh wow that's awesome yeah <laughs> I would have kept it. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so, Sierra, how was a uh, Halloween horror night? It was fantastic. Um, yeah. So I just I did two days at Universal and then six days in Disney World. So that was a lot of vacationing, very serious vacationing. And in between our two days at Universal, I did Halloween Horror Night, and it was really fantastic. It was the first one I've been to, so I don't really have context for what they normally are like. But unfortunately, a couple hours in, there was a huge downpour, and so it's Florida is one to do. Yeah, typical mm-hmm. Orlando. And so yeah. all of the like scare zones where people dress up and just walk around the streets and scare people, all of that kind of closed down because all the actors just ran. So that was that was too bad. But all of the, the houses kept going on. And so we powered through as many as we could. I The only ones I didn't do were Halloween and 
uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is too bad because those sounded awesome. Do sound awesome. Yeah. Did you just run out of time? Well, and we were just completely soaked and un- like unhappy. Mm. The rain would kind of let up, but then it would go like twice as hard. So we were just yeah. over it. But overall, it was really fun. Uh, some of my favorite ones, I really liked the Krampus house, which was a surprise to me because I don't really think of, you know, creepy Christmas necessarily being my favorite Halloween or horror genre. But apparently that movie was created with the idea of doing a house kind of in the deal of making the movie. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and so all of the the characters and the props and everything was just so beautiful. And it was one where you walked through and it was more about just looking at all the weird details of everything versus like the Walking Dead house where it was just everybody jumping out at you, which is mm. which is fun in a different way, but ne- not necessarily my favorite. But that one was amazing. And then there was another one which wasn't based off of any movie or anything, but it was ancient Egyptian themed. The makeup for it was incredible. Like everybody oh, yeah? was walking through it, like screaming and, you know, trying to race past the places where you know people were hiding and I was just like camping out where <laughs> those places were and like waiting for somebody to jump out so I could like look at them really hard and like <laughs> see the like cool so like you were the creep, I was the creeper yeah saying. there was a really good like snake-headed person with like crazy fangs and things and it was super well done I, I think I, I think I probably enjoyed that one more than some of the other ones that were just based off of movies very cool yeah overall it was a super super fun experience and I would have liked to have you know gone through it without getting soaked but that was okay it was worth it i sure I, hope that is not what i'm gonna deal with yeah <laughs> i don't know why y'all are going to south florida thinking you're not gonna get soaked i mean come on, come on. yeah i mean I, i'm from seattle so i i am accustomed to rain and all of that kind of stuff but rain plus humidity and not like if you wear a rain poncho you're gonna die of you know cooking inside of it um <laughs> have, you, have you ever seen a place before where like the second it stops raining the sidewalk just steams like the steam comes off That's of everything Florida. Because it's so hot. <laughs> this is where i live you guys why this is everyday life for me here. <laughs> the pacific northwest is like it's rainy but it's also cool and beautiful i'm crazy enough that i i owned a convertible for a short amount of time when i lived in florida That's funny and it was horrible. Like, not just the rain. Oh like, and it was an old convertible, so there was no button to push. Like, I had to oh. get out and, like, unlatch things. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that wasn't you a bad mistake. It was a bad... I know, right? Well, you think, like, oh, I'm in the south. It's warm all the time. I should have a convertible. But uh, not just the rain, but every time you stop at a red light, you're just sitting there, like, baking in the sun. <laughs> just... what? Uh, Leah, the storms here are insane. Like, yeah. here in the southeast. Like, I had a, uh, a friend that made an interesting comment. She came out from... Uh, Mornia from my wedding a couple years ago and she said how come all of your stoplights are on cables instead of on like hard poles and like i have never thought about that before are all of yours on hard poles you don't have them on cables she's like no so we looked into it and it's because we got so many damn storms here like if we just had those hard poles going across intersections all the time they get knocked down all the time where they can bounce around in storms you know that the they learned that the hard way. Oh, fuck yes. Somebody. <laughs> Someone's like, we got to make a They went through a lot here. of poles before they figured that one out. <laughs> I don't know. I do miss those storms. I miss the lightning. Yeah. The big, I saw some really lightning. cool lightning. Yeah, it doesn't storm like that up here in the north. I want to just mention really quickly, there's two other podcasts that I'm doing this month besides mm-hmm. my usual Sirens podcast that are going to be fun because they're also kind of horror themed. I'm going to be doing my usual Talking Comics book club and we're talking about a comic series called Clean Room, which is, I've, I think I've actually recommended it here before. It's by uh, Gail Simone and it's a really incredible, scary um, story about demons and a woman who starts up like a big kind of cult following to hunt these demons and 
it's incredible. The artwork is gorgeous and it's a really beautiful book. So I'll be um, doing a podcast on that and you can find that at Talking Comics. And the other one I'm doing, um, which is also at Talking Comics, is I'm guest. I'm going to be a guest on Legendary Runs, which is uh, my my good friend Mars podcast that she does with her husband. And we're going to be talking about the comic book series Lock and Key. Mm. Um, cool. Yes. Yeah. She's been around for a long time and I think is probably the one comic book series that I can recommend to any new comic book reader and they will mm-hmm. fall in love with it. There's so, also yeah. a pretty good tabletop game based on Lock and Key. If anybody is there? likes the comic book and isn't super into tabletop gaming or anything, they should they should totally play that because it's really fun. There's so much stuff that stemmed out of those the, those books. I have a coloring book, a Lock and Key coloring book. There's also a company that makes the keys. Nice. Like actual metal keys where you can collect them. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, there's a huge set of them and they're really cool. I feel like I heard that they were doing a show or a movie about it, but I'm, that might have just been an internet rumor. I heard that too. Not that that legitimizes it, but... <laughs> yeah. I think it's one of those shows that's been like, oh yeah, we have this cast ready and then it falls apart and mm-hmm. then they try again and yeah. Yeah. One of those. It's too bad. It would make an incredible story, but... Yeah, maybe someday. Before we jump into our main stuff going on here, I have a couple things to talk about. One of them is if you have not seen it already, Sierra and I hosted an interview with the fellows from Monster Squad about a week ago. It went up and that was with uh, Ryan Lambert and Andre Gower and they were so much fun to talk to. They mm-hmm. have they have their own podcast going on and um, I actually mentioned in the interview when you're uh, listening to their podcast, you feel like you're part of the conversation. It's very conversational. It's very fun. So the those guys are very neat. They talk about their days on the Monster Squad set and uh, their upcoming documentary and their their podcast, all that stuff. So check for that on our Twitter and Facebook. And I also wanted to talk about Shudder. Have you guys tried it out yet? I haven't started yet because I didn't have time to because yeah, I was I mean, off, that's kind you of know, <laughs> riding rides. <laughs> You're on the things. other side of the country. <laughs> um, yeah, but I absolutely want to. I know you guys have dove into it more than I have. Melissa, have you tried it out? I haven't tried it yet. I have to convince the uh, movie collector that I live with that there will be things on there that he doesn't already own. Streaming. I think he might have been been slightly insulted when I suggested that we try this. (laughs) The, The streaming service that might have more horror movies than we do. Well, this might help, actually. Okay. Um, I actually just watched a, a movie earlier today that I'd never even heard of called uh, Lovely Molly. Never heard of that either. Ever heard of it? No, yeah. Never it's heard of it. creepy as fuck. And it, it only <laughs> had like three, three and a half stars on Shudder, but it was still pretty good. And I mean, it, it wasn't the most amazing horror movie I've ever seen, but it was definitely worth the time I spent on it. And yeah, it was it was disturbing and strange and very odd and I never would have known about it if it weren't for that service. So yeah, I would I would definitely give that service a couple thumbs up as a horror fan. That's like right up our alley. It's like they they were like listening to <laughs> us, you know, guys. They were there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh one thing that I really dig about it though is there are different um sections on there like if you want smart thrillers or uh smart slashers or they have an entire halloween section and you know psychological issues and uh i mean they they have really clever names that i've noticed actually change maybe from week to week maybe month to month i'm not quite sure how frequently they change but i've noticed that they change here and there and it integrates with amazon and all this and i basically sound like a walking advertisement for them right now because i just fucking love the service that's great it sounds like um (laughs) the fact that it's all curated by people who clearly love horror makes it sound like even the things that aren't highly rated like you said like a three-star one was still worth watching it's not it's not gonna be a dud like on like on hulu yeah or on (laughs) netflix 
You can get a lot of one-star things <laughs> that are garbage. Let's do shutter. <laughs> Call us, shutter. Call us. <laughs> cool. Well, that actually leads in really, really nicely to our topic this week because we all went together and we chose some of our favorite horror movies to give everybody a 31 days of horror list so that you can get through October the right way and watch a horror movie like every a, single day. Like a recommendation extravaganza. Yeah, and we tried to keep it to things that are easy to find and stream and things that, you know, could be accessible to people who aren't super into horror. So if you want to share it with some friends who don't necessarily like horror or are interested in it but don't know where to start. Or we also pick some things that might be some hidden gems that people haven't heard of before. So even, you know, the seasoned horror lover will find something that they want to watch. We are so good that I totally thought we were going to have a lot of doubles on this list, but we ended up with only about two doubles, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I was I'm really, really proud of us. <laughs> yeah. And we managed to come up with 30 different films. Well, and it just goes to show, like, we all like horror, but there's so many different subgenres within the genre that we're all interested in different sections that I think we're a pretty well-rounded group. Absolutely. Go us. Yay. Let's dive into that list after a short little little break. Do you feel it? In the air, do you feel it? That crisp chill is setting in, wrapping its skeleton hands around your lungs every time you breathe in deep. It's almost the best time of the year, folks! It's almost October! The king of the months! With fresh-carved jack-o'-lanterns, candy-corn feasts, and hardly a sidewalk that isn't overrun with crunchy leaves. The veil between our world and theirs is finally thinning once again as All Hallows' Eve approaches, and it's time to celebrate all of the spirits and ghosts and ghoulies and things that go bump in the night. It's time to immerse ourselves in all things spooky scary, and the sirens are here to help you do just that. We have handpicked some horror favorites and made sure that all of our picks are easy to find and stream. We present to you one horror movie to watch every night of October, crafting your month into the perfect series of screams. So let's dive in, plunge our hands into that cold, slimy pumpkin guts, and kick the month of October off the right way with our recommended watching for October 1st, The Taking of Deborah Logan, which was a Jackie pick. So Jackie, you want to tell us about it? I'm all over it. But first, Dan, that was an awesome Thank you. Intro. Thank you. <laughs> I rode it on the bus to work today. <laughs> Love it. All right. So The Taking of Deborah Logan. This is uh, a hidden gem that's on Netflix right now. And apparently it came out in 2014, but I don't think it was very widely received. Uh, this is the story of an elderly woman battling Alzheimer's. And she and her daughter are going through a really hard time financially um, dealing with all of her medical issues. So they invite a uh, documentary team who are doing research into Alzheimer's uh, to come and live with them for a little while. And isn't that how it always mm-hmm. starts? A documentary team comes to film something innocuous and bam, shit goes wrong. So I'm just going to skip right into it because you can tell even from just the f- the cover for this movie, she's possessed. And it's honestly one of the most incredible possession movies I've seen in a while. It's the way that it progresses with, with the old woman is like pretty damn incredible like it kind of sneaks up on her she's denying it it honestly seems like it's alzheimer's and it just gets worse and worse and worse and from there it just kind of explodes into all this weird 
creepiness. It goes back into haunted murderers and all this stuff in the town. And there's a wonderful, creepy backstory that comes along with it. And it's just, it all comes together in a very nice, cohesive way, I think. Uh, have either of you seen this movie yet? I did a while ago. I've never heard of it. Did, how did, what did you feel about it? Um, Sierra? I was apprehensive because I kind of knew what it was about going in. And I'm always frustrated when horror movies do the thing where it's like, maybe it's in their head or maybe it's real, but maybe it's just in their head and they're, you know, crazy. But I think this one didn't harp on that too much and it really dove into the creepy, scary, like actually really scary things pretty well. It didn't. Yeah. Um, it, I think it respected the audience well enough to be like, you know, we know what you guys want. We're going to give you some spooky shit. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. Like, at the very beginning, like, it's so obvious that she is really just from, I'm not even kidding, the poster for the movie is so obvious that she is possessed. But yeah, they, they skip to it pretty quickly. I was actually preparing myself to be mm-hmm. annoyed yep. for them to linger onto that, the whole Alzheimer's thing. But Jill Larson, apparently, she is uh, an old soap opera actress. Uh, she's the uh, the elderly lady that uh, has, quote unquote, Alzheimer's. And she is phenomenal in this role. I was really impressed and taken aback with her here. But so, yeah, that is my spooky recommendation for October 1st. <laughs> so for October 2nd, uh, I want to recommend the movie Bad Milo. It is on Netflix. And this is one that's more of a comedy horror. Um, I figured, you know, we can dive into the month and not get too crazy creepy at first we can say a little like because it's still october 2nd but this one is it's so goofy and like but the practical effects are really fun and it it does a really good job of paying tribute to the horror genre while still you know being very self-aware of itself the tagline is a man a man learns that his unusual stomach pains are caused by a demon living in his intestines and just on the cover of the the movie poster the the you know netflix picture whatever you see that the the demon is this weird little like shriveled up guy with big eyes and it's this crazy looking puppet and it has uh comedians like ken marino jillian jacobs it has uh our favorite kumail nanjiani who is always delightful yeah so it's a lot of good people who are you know really good actors and also good comedians and i think anybody who likes the movies like you know grabbers or hell baby or anything like that would really like this movie have either of you guys yeah it's a fun movie i like it yeah i have not but it's going on my list it's a good one one of the things that's great about this list that we're about to throw down here is uh i think there's a nice mix of like comedy horror Mm -hmm. and good like classic horror films and also some new modern horror yeah and the thing with like horror comedy it's pretty touchy you know sometimes it can be really cheesy and dumb uh or it gets you know kind of presented to the wrong audience and but i think this one for sure is is good for horror fans as well as comedy fans. Very cool. <laughs> We're not going to keep it light anymore because <laughs> October 3rd. <laughs> October 3rd, I'm bringing Hellraiser to the table. This is a really old one, but this is one of my all-time favorite horror films. It's a 1987 film based on a, a story by Clive Barker, one of my all-time favorite writers. Which, if you guys haven't read any Clive Barker, you should read the Books of Blood because they're really fun. <laughs> he's uh, He's the director and writer of this Hellraiser is a a story about an unfaithful wife who finds her dead lover has been, I don't know what you want to call him. He's, he's been skinned and come (laughs) back to life. Um, and he escaped from hell and the things that he escaped from, the demons that he escaped from are coming after him. And yeah, Cenobites. Cenobites are like, to me, one of the, they're one of the coolest things I've ever seen in horror ever since I, since I was a kid and I started watching horror and, 
Um, I think this film, although it's old and it's a little bit dated, you got to give it a little bit of a break for that. You know, there's definitely some serious like 80s mm-hmm. fashion and hair going on here. It still holds <laughs> up, though. Like, despite that, it holds up. I'd say the effects hold up. The story holds up. The clothing does mm-hmm. not. <laughs> yeah, some of the dialogue gets a little cheesy, but for the most part, it's pretty. Fo- it's pretty on point. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, so it's like it's so. I just and I love one thing I love about Clive Barker is how he wraps up this kind of erotic, like sadomasochist thing into all of his horror. Um, and I think horror should be sexy. So you know, I like Hellraiser because it's sexy, and and uh, Pinhead is one of my all-time favorite horror characters ever. So he's got things to show you. So you guys should see Hellraiser. Wait, 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 wait. You can't just talk about how sexy Hell Hellraiser is and segue into Pinhead has things to show you. <laughs> if you know what well, I mean. <laughs> yeah, you might not want to see that side of Pinhead. <laughs> I can't imagine. I can't imagine there's anything nice he's going to show you. <laughs> no. But yeah, Hellraiser to me is like one of those like strong mm-hmm. classics. Like it's one of those movies that really, really influences genre early on, I think. And it's like when you see, you know, you see these these great graphic artworks that people have done of classic horror characters. It's always like Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, mm-hmm. Pinhead, mm-hmm. you know, um, and usually Michael Myers. Like those are like kind of the grandfathers yeah, of horror. They're like the beginning of, you know, 80, 80s slasher, which goes into found footage and all the other crap that we have now. But yeah. they're definitely kings. Uh, our next one was voted from both mm-hmm. of us. Yeah. Yeah. Jackie. But I won. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, so the next one is Babadook, which, um, I mean, this one is one that a lot of people have seen by now. Uh, but I think it's actually something that you should take back mm-hmm. out, even though it is still recent. And it's just so perfect for the Halloween season. It is so creepy. So the Babadook was 2014-ish, and it, I know it's available on Netflix right now. This is one that I actually just saw last year, uh, right around Halloween time, when I was doing my own uh, October Halloween horror movie watching binge. The thing that really drew me in about it was the pacing. Like, it, uh, the pacing, especially with this, uh, this single mother who is... You you know, coming over the devastating death of her husband and trying to raise this this child who is not exactly, you know, the most well-behaved mm-hmm. little boy. Like, you can really feel her struggle. And, I mean, we mentioned before, I am not a breeder. That's just <laughs> not my world. Like, I, I don't get that. But, like, in this movie, like, I'm sitting there watching it. I'm like, I feel for her. This oh, my God. Woman. I feel for her. <laughs> you know, her son starts talking about uh, the Babadook. And there's this weird, creepy, awesome book that I kind of want on mm-hmm. my bookshelf, honestly. And it just keeps reappearing and it keeps causing weird problems and the Babadook keeps popping up in weird, strange ways and she suddenly starts believing in it. Um, but it, it is one of those movies that it's one of the more recent movies that has actually drawn me in very strongly and had me like on the edge of my seat more than uh, most others recently, to be honest. One of the most terrifying monster sounds since mm-hmm. The Grudge. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Now it's... I hate no, the I didn't sound think of about that, but it's like... You guys want to do your best it, yeah. Babadook? Babadook. Do <laughs> <laughs> Here, I'll go... Yes. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Melissa I can't do it like that mm. <laughs> no I thought I it, yeah I think that sound is just incredibly mm-hmm. creepy yeah this movie touched me in so many 
<laughs> so many places inside inside my soul. Like I just this movie ended, and I was just I felt like exhausted, but in a good exhausted. way. Yeah, yeah. And one of this is one of the movies that I think I've I've had the most conversations with people about afterwards, trying to figure out what was at the center of it. Like what was the what was the monster? Why was the monster there? What was happening? I've seen so many re- really great conversations um, stem out of this film. So. To me, that's a sign of a really, really well-made film when it leaves yeah. people talking mm-hmm. about it afterwards. It's pretty damn layered. And it's one of those movies that, like, you kind of wouldn't expect it to be as engrossing and creepy and scary as it is. But it is one of those movies where if I have a friend that's not, like, really into horror and they scare easily and they're like, hey, would I like the Duck?" I'm like, no, you should not. You should just <laughs> That'll mess you Bob. up. It's not for you. <laughs> it's, it's not for you. <laughs> That's one that sits with you. The, I think the mother who plays in this too is her. This was her really? first major role. Yeah, that's impressive. She yeah. seems like somebody who maybe did like theater or something else. Like who's really into serious acting. Yes, yeah, uh, the the film was also uh, funded by Kickstarter. There's a lot of really great information about this film. If you read up on it, you'll be even more impressed with it. It's really cool. I didn't know like, that. Yeah, read the IMBD trivia on this. We we read all about it after we saw it, and we're mm-hmm. blown away by the things that they managed to accomplish with this film. Nice. Yeah, it's it's got a let's see, it was only a two point five million dollar budget. Oh wow, that's just that's impressive. Yeah, for the for mm-hmm. the kind of effects they used. Yeah. In this film. Well, I'm really glad that it's on our list now because I feel like you know everybody's been talking about it a lot lately, and it's still kind of in everybody's mind. But there's yeah, it's definitely worth revisiting. October 5th. Um, I want everybody to watch the movie Creep, which you can find on Netflix. It is about this guy who's a videographer and he finds a Craigslist ad for this guy who says he's dying and he wants to have a, a, a movie made about him for his future children to see because um, his wife is pregnant. Um, and then everything gets really creepy from there. And it's, it's a very uh, small movie in the way that it's just these two guys there isn't another character until like maybe the very end and it's just like cell phone call it's all shown through this videographer filming this guy so the creepy guy the creep is uh played by mark duplis who is you know of kind of indie movie fame and of course like the league and stuff but he does a super good job of getting drawing people in and then you know being really like unsettling and weird it's one that i made uh my partner tucker watch and he claims that he likes horror but also doesn't really like new horror and so i was like no you have to watch this one you have to watch this one and it messed him up so (laughs) it's so weird and like it takes very little and does a whole lot with it and it's one that it builds really really well i haven't seen that but that i mean it's so good Anytime I hear a movie that just totally messes somebody up, I just instinctively mm-hmm. want to watch yep. it. <laughs> October 6th. I'm going to go to another pretty intense film here and talk about It Follows from 2014. Ooh. It's uh, directed and written by David Robert Mitchell. This is a movie that when I heard the premise of it, I thought it was going to be silly, too silly for me. Um, I thought I would hate it. I was dragged to the theater by my significant other and he really wanted to see it. So I went and saw it and I walked out of there really impressed and thinking, all right, that was awesome. <laughs> and feeling really paranoid about every single person around me. It follows as a story of a sexually transmitted demon, <laughs> some kind of, some, some kind of evil. 
um, that you pass on to the next person by having sex with them. It's just called it. I don't know. It's, it's it. And it follows you around until you pass it to someone else. There's a couple of really incredible things that make this film so unique that I think are why it works so well. One of them is that uh, there's a vibe about this film that feels very almost, almost like home movie to me, but without, I'm not talking about like shaky found footage kind of home movie. It's got a, a very like intimate feel about it when you see people have conversations and you see the characters it feels like you're sitting in the room with them a lot of really interesting cinematography really strange angles that make things feel really foreboding and uncomfortable there's like an ongoing uncomfortable level of tension throughout the whole movie yeah that's what really sold me on the uh on the whole the amount of tension that just builds in such a thick and palpable kind of way throughout the movie right it's not that kind of it's not like usually with horror films you know you have like quiet moments and then you have like these jump scares Mm -hmm. and then you have these intense moments where you know something's happening i remember in this film there were these and the the soundtrack oh my god can we talk about the soundtrack for this film it's so good it's i don't even i kind of want yeah it's hard to even explain <laughs> like it's in the way that everybody is talking about the soundtrack for stranger things and the intro for that like i wish that the guys who did stranger things intro would team up with the guys who did this soundtrack and just make the most amazing like creepy weird te- like techno synth music <laughs> be totally into that right i feel like i feel like the it follow soundtrack is like if you could imagine the sound this the sound design of every horror movie you've ever seen from like the from like the 80s to the early 90s and somehow they were one soundtrack together mm-hmm. just this you know like you like all the music sounds familiar but you can't quite put your finger on where you've heard it before yeah but it just feels so familiar. It's like, oh, I know what this means. I know what this music means. <laughs> it definitely is very smart and kind of taps into a, a common, not necessarily language because it's a musical language, but definitely something that we can all like recognize. Like a common vibe of this, yeah. Yeah, this is something that's terrible. It's going to happen any minute. <laughs> mm-hmm. There are several scenes in this where the music gives you the impression that something really terrible is about to happen and you get yourself really built up and then it's like... And then it does. <laughs> I know. It's like, oh, <laughs> We're just showing you the neighborhood. Look at this street in this neighborhood. And it's like, what? Man, that's an ominous tree they've got there. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it's not disappointing at all. It just it has this effect of like just maintaining the tense, the tension throughout the whole film. So you never relax. Yeah. Yeah. It's not necessarily overpowering, too. I think the way we're talking about it makes it sound like it's all about the music, but it, it's it's a very good no, mixture. It works so well with it. It's It's amazing. It's always in the background. But it's very much a part of the film. Film wouldn't be the same without the sound. Yeah, and the acting was incredible. And even though the premise is something that shouldn't make any sense and shouldn't be really scary, it ended up being really terrifying. Cool. Well, I'm going to jump on into October 7th then. Uh, I think this is actually the only real sci-fi movie we have on our list here, right? No, no, no. Is it not? No, we have like one of the sci-fi movies. I beg to differ. Oh, oh. (laughs) my bad. All right. But it's the first one. It's the first one. Well, this is the first one, then. yeah. This is Event Horizon from 1997, which I actually noticed somebody on our Twitter mentioned it, so we'll talk about that mm-hmm. here at the end of the show. Event Horizon, if you haven't seen it, I don't know what you're doing with your life, but it's basically like <laughs> Jurassic Park in space. Oh, that's such <laughs> a good description. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Sam Neill basically just runs around getting chased by shit in space. It is one of those really creepy movies that kind of has that no way out feeling to it. Like, there is nowhere for the crew to escape this 
evil that is chasing them. So it builds the tension in that way of like, well, where do they even go from now? So it this is actually one of my favorites from, uh, you know, early on. It, it brought not only my desire to chill in space with some awesome scenery, but to be chased by things that I don't know and or understand. This is... Also the premise of a Doctor Who episode. Yeah, pretty much. I think we talked about this on the, the sci-fi and horror episode that we did yeah. a while ago. Yeah, I'm, that's actually a good point. We shouldn't go too far into this one. But I do want to mention that this was like right at the beginning of 3D technology and 3D in movies. So some of that, some of those effects are kind of cheesy. Uh, so you kind of just have to take it with a grain of salt going in there. But overall, it does stand up and it is an awesome and genre defining kind of movie, I think. Mm -hmm. This is another one where like I was watching it and by the end I was kind of tired because it was so much (laughs) and I was so invested in all of it. (laughs) (laughs) So next up, I want to talk about the movie Housebound, which is one that I discovered on Netflix. And I think I I would consider it maybe a little hidden gem. I don't think too many people have, have seen it. It's about a young woman who is put on house arrest with her mother. So she has to go back to her child childhood home which in and of itself that is you know an interesting concept but then the mother is convinced that the house is haunted and so it goes back and forth between this girl being like no it's not haunted and the mom being like no it's super haunted until (laughs) until the the daughter starts to hear things too and you know she starts to think maybe my mom isn't crazy and this is a movie that it has a big old twist at the end which i don't want to give away because i want everybody to watch it it starts out pretty creepy it it's interesting in the way that the tone and the spirit of it changes because then it towards the end the middle end it kind of becomes more of a farce it becomes a little kind of a horror comedy another horror comedy movie in in it it still has some pretty genuinely scary moment that'll leave you kind of unsettled but it's also just really fun to watch right on that one has actually been on my list to watch since i saw i think it was vhs which has oh, a yeah. similar director between them yeah oh i didn't even think of those two as related but i see it now it's extra fun when a horror movie gives you like a good mystery mm-hmm. to solve too yeah this is definitely Definitely not super, you know, gore heavy or jump scare heavy necessarily, but it's more of the like, maybe this house is haunted, which I'm super into because I love ghosts. But so if anybody wants a a good, good ghost story for October 8th, you should watch Housebound. Right on. Melissa, what what do we have next? My next one is going to be the first of my Guillermo del Toro recommendations. (laughs) I know I tried really hard to keep it well balanced. Two is two is a stretch for me. Come on. Yeah, no, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a complete list without at least one. Yeah. Right. Um so this one I'm gonna talk about the orphanage. I'm not gonna go into it too heavy because I feel like I talked about it quite a bit on the last episode about our kids in horror. But it's a great film, spooky, uh supernatural ghost story about a woman who <laughs> Which now I'm feeling weird because this kind of echoes what Sierra just talked about in her movie. Oh, <laughs> we're on a roll. <laughs> a woman who, yeah, <laughs> woman brings her family back to her childhood home, which used to be an orphanage for handicapped kids. Um, and the woman used to be an orphan in this home and her son disappears and she figures out that, um, there are some creepy little children in this home hanging out who shouldn't be there anymore and things get really strange and um one of the one of my favorite creepy kids 
happens to be in this film, which is a strange little guy who runs around with like a potato sack on his head. The Orphanage, uh, that's that's my next vote because I think uh, as far as Guillermo del Toro goes, this is uh, one of my all-time favorites from him. And uh, it was a bit of a sleeper, I feel like, because people, I think by the time it came out in 2007, people were sort of used to del Toro's shtick Mm -hmm. and used to his style. And I think people didn't expect... People didn't pay as much attention to it as maybe they should have. So I'm going to keep yelling about it until people pay more attention to it. Do and it. Watch it. I feel like Fair also enough. at the time that this came out, I don't know exact examples, but I feel like it came out with a bunch of other kind of garbage throwaway horror movies that didn't have a really good plot, but were mostly just like, look at how creepy this looks and let's do a jump scare <laughs> and let's just like, you know, replay the same old story over and over again. Um, and I think this kind of got lumped mm-hmm. into it, at least in my mind. And so I didn't watch it for a long time and have only, you know, kind of recently seen it. So I feel like it's very fair to recommend yeah. it because I think other people probably missed it too. It is in Spanish, by the way, as well. So you'll have to read a little bit. What? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so I am next with October 10th. And this is actually one I've talked about before in, in our most recent episode. This is Starry Eyes, which is on Netflix. And it is another one of those hidden gems. We seem to really mm-hmm. like. We love hidden gems. But this is a girl who is already a little bit strange. She has trichotillomania, which is a, a hair pulling disorder. She's an aspiring actress while her day job is like working at this really crappy chain called Taters where she has to wear skin tight clothing and just be on display all the time. So she's like looking for her big break in Hollywood. It's going to all these auditions and being really hard on herself and, you know, trying to figure out how the industry works. Meanwhile, she has all these bitchy friends who are just kind of, like, rubbing their own minor successes in her face. And along the way, she gets this opportunity for a huge kind of creepy role. I didn't mention this before, but there are a couple characters when she goes on on to a particular audition that really bring a subtle amount of, uh, a subtle and creepy kind of humor to it. It just really added an extra layer of the film to me with that particular audition. So that's, that's something to look out for. But from there, shit goes sideways. Like, this honestly turned out to be one of the goriest movies I have ever seen. And it's it's gore in a very interesting way. And definitely gore that I would not recommend Sierra watch because there's a lot of Thank vomiting. you for the warning. <laughs> Yeah, just heads up there. But yeah, this turns into this gory, crazy freak show, thriller sort of thing very suddenly and uh, very violently. I-, I think it's a really cool movie. It's it's definitely something that didn't get a lot of hype when it came out. But if you haven't seen it yet, put it on your list for October. Awesome. I'm looking at images for this and it definitely looks bloody. It's bloody as hell. This is one that I, I want to watch, but I'm definitely going to watch it with like my hands over my face and like my eyes. Watch it with somebody you trust to tell you... Look away, look away. Okay, okay. now you can watch. Good. And the, the effects are so impressive because they are so obviously, you know, practical, traditional effects, not CG effects. And I'm always impressed when effects can come off uh, looking really fucking cool when they're just, you know, handmade effects. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's- We've definitely got some, like, amazing effects on our list altogether. Yeah. Some of the gold standard physical effect horror movies on this list. For sure. October 11th. I recommend everybody watch We Are What We Are, which is a movie that you can find on Netflix. This is a movie that... I haven't heard of this. Well, after we recorded our last episode about creepy kids, I remembered this movie. I was kicking myself for not thinking of it before because it has these two little girls, Iris and Rose, and it's about them and their father and they're this really bizarre family that really keeps to themselves and you 
you can tell that they're, there's something kind of under the surface that they're trying to hide from everybody and they're all about kind of following a code and there's kind of, you know, kind of religious kind of undertones to it and they live in this small town and all the townspeople don't really, you know, keep away from it. It's another movie that has a crazy turn at the end that you are not seeing. It's all about this family who's hiding a secret, which it's hard to talk about without spoiling it. So I don't know how far in we can get into talking about this, but they're keeping the secret from the town and you figure out the secret and you're like, oh my God, this is crazy. <laughs> I love those kinds of stories. Yeah, it's a movie that's a little slow and weird at the start, but it's worth sticking with. So we are we are what we are. If it's a reclusive family, then they're definitely probably demons or mm-hmm. vampires oh, yeah, or something, they're right? Definitely mm-hmm. up to no good. <laughs> <laughs> Witchcraft back there in the yep. basement. Yeah. yeah. Cannibals. Yep. I don't think we have any cannibals on our list, do we? No, we need to step it one... up in the cannibal department. <laughs> everybody watch Sweeney Todd. Sorry, everybody, for our cannibal <laughs> failure. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to take it into some scary uh, home invasion territory yes. next. Do it. October 12th, I want to talk about Your Next from 2011. This is a movie about a what, seeming, what seems to be a wonderful, perfect family. <laughs> in fact, the song... Uh, it's a perfect day is playing various moments in this film and, and it just lends the whole thing like such an unnerving feeling. This family, uh, they come together for a reunion in a vacation house, this big beautiful home. There's not a whole lot I can go into in this without giving too much away, but basically they end up being terrorized by some masked killers who are outside the home originally with with bow and arrows and mm-hmm. they're they're shooting arrows into the house that's never good if somebody has the confidence to come at you with a bow and arrow <laughs> like you're just you're fucked <laughs> guns are child's play i'm gonna go with a bow and arrow <laughs> <laughs> It's, you know, to me, like, there's something, there's something especially terrifying about that because, you know, you're in this big, beautiful house with windows everywhere. And it just, like, it's so fast, you know, the idea that you can't, like, lift your head. You're just creeping. They're all creeping around on the ground trying to stay out of sight of the windows because you never know when you pop your, you don't know where these people are outside. You don't know where the arrows are coming from. It just makes me feel so, like, tense my like my mm-hmm. shoulders are tense just thinking about it you know it's, <laughs> for sure it's like knowing there's like thumbtacks on the ground somewhere and you <laughs> you're like you're not quite like that but just this feeling that like you know that something can hit you at any second mm-hmm. if you just like let yourself get a little bit too tall yeah at the wrong moment <laughs> but this movie is one of my favorites because it has a fantastic twist that i'm definitely not going to give away um, that is something I thought was really unique that I haven't really seen in many films before. They they take some of these characters into a, a, a quite unexpected place, unexpected place, and the filming, the uh, the cinematography of the movie is really impressive. It's a lot of jump scares. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a lot of jump scares. Um, but I think that the the story and the plot overall makes up for that. Like it's not just jump scares. There's there's some real backbone to the story. Yeah. When I uh, watched this movie, it took me a while to watch it because I thought it was going to be kind of dumb. Mostly because mm-hmm. the poster is like, isn't it people like wearing animal masks? And this is after like yeah. the others and all the other all the other movies where people were wearing weird animal masks. And I'm like, oh, they're just like getting on the 
bandwagon. They're just hopping on while it's cool. But I was really surprised with how good the story was and how surprised I was and I didn't see things coming. Yeah, this is another one too. Had some fantastic music in it. Mm -hmm. Fantastic use of music throughout the movie. Uh, They really like use the music to to create extra tension and to create a certain, an an extra feeling of of just like twisted macabre atmosphere. Very cool. Well, speaking of more uh, movies that have nice big twists at the end, my next one for October 13th is The Awakening, which... I'm going to be real with you. It's not going to blow your socks away, but it is a solid, (laughs) it's a good, solid, creepy movie. (laughs) Yeah, this is one of those very atmospheric, very aero-driven kind of uh, movies. It stars uh, Rebecca Hall, Dominic West, who I'm a massive Wire fan, so I was thrilled to see him in a horror movie here. And Imelda Staunton, which let me just throw out here. Did you know that her stint as Dolores Umbridge on Harry Potter is not one of her known forts on IMDb? Like, what's that about? silly. Right? Yeah. That's real silly. Super weird. Anyway, so this is set in 1921 England, and it is about a uh, a woman who goes around ex- exposing hoaxes. She will hmm. go around to various, like, fortune tellers and mediums and be like, no, nah, that's a kid in a mask. What are you even doing with your life? Naturally, when a movie starts out that way with a bunch of people exposing creepy things that are not really creepy things, you know shit's gonna go sideways. And it does mm-hmm. when she uh, comes to this orphanage with little boys here who are completely scared out of their wits of something in the building this really does have a big old twist at the end and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna even hint at it but it is pretty cool and one thing that i thought was really neat and unique about this movie is that they go into the uh really old ways to try to capture ghosts and capture uh paranormal (gasps) things going on like yeah like little bells on strings around and things that trigger film and all that and it's it's really interesting, and I actually did a little bit of research there, and it seems pretty legit the way they, they set it up in the movie. So I thought that was cool from that perspective. And this is especially good for people who don't want to really feel bummed out and, and just really bad about <laughs> life after watching a horror movie. I mean, this is one you would like to watch and ease yourself into the horror genre with. It, it also has uh, Isaac Hempstead, who plays Bran from... Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. I, about him. I haven't seen this movie, but there's a movie coming out about Ouija board. Ooh. And it sounds ex- like kind of similar, surprisingly, like in the same way of like it's about a family who she she pretends to be a medium. And, you know, it's revealed early on that she's just faking everything, but then the Ouija board ends up being real. So I was excited to see that movie coming out in October. And so now I'm super going to watch The Awakening before I go see that. That sounds and rad. Com- and compare. Also, that's three movies in a row with a very surprising twist ending. <laughs> yeah. That's what, what I told about. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's kind of a necessity for a good horror film, though, right? Unless you're talking about a straight up, like, slasher. Yeah. yeah. Where you know, like, that's the killer. Those are the people that are trying to live. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, it's there's definitely... Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe... Uh, yeah. I mean, things like Hellraiser, stuff like that, where you're very focused on... You know, there's a a clear protagonist and antagonist. I feel like part of what makes a lot of horror movies really great is when they can twist that around and surprise you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's hard to do these days because we almost expect a twist yeah. in a horror film now. Yeah, and we've seen a lot of the twists been done before, so it's kind of easy to see if they're being set up again. Yeah. Yeah. How about the sacrament, Sierra? What's, what's the that? sacrament? <laughs> this, is, um, this is another found footage movie, which... 
I've been thinking about the found footage genre a lot lately because I just saw the new Blair Witch movie. You know, one sentence review is it's it's good. You know, you know, you're going in for a Blair Witch movie. Um, <laughs> that like, didn't sound that confident. <laughs> it's pretty it's good. good. <laughs> you know what you're going to get. It's not That's... super like it doesn't go above and beyond. It doesn't really like break any boundaries the way that a lot of um, reviews were saying that it does, in my opinion. But it was still really fun to watch. Anyways, The Sacrament is a movie by director Ty West, who I think I talked about in a recommendation maybe an episode or two ago. And he has a really, he does all of a lot of horror, but touches on a lot of the different subgenres of it. This one is about the Jonestown Massacre, Ooh. kind of in a in a roundabout way. You're following this, this journalist crew that works with Vice Magazine, I guess, or website. This guy is who works for Vice, his sister has joined this commune in Africa. I think it's in Africa. Maybe I'm just projecting that. These three guys go to this commune called Eden Parish to go find this guy's sister. And at first, everything seems really great. It's all these people who were addicted to drugs and alcohol and in really, you know, bad situations in the United States who went and followed this guy's father, who's this very charismatic guy, you know, as all cult leaders are. And it ends up being, you know... You, you can kind of see the twist coming, knowing what it's about, but it's it's a really, it's another one that takes a lot of energy out of you watching it, surprisingly, because it's, even though you know what's going to happen, you don't want it to happen. The whole cult ideal kind of draws you in at first and you think maybe it'll be different, but then it ends up playing out the way you think it's going to. Fair enough. Also gets really dark really fast. There's a very kind of sudden turn, maybe not even halfway through the movie, and then it all kind of goes downhill. I just want to say, if you Google this and look at images of it, it's very unsettling because it's you'll get both images of the film as well as like Bible images. (laughs) Yeah. Various images of Jesus and uh, different sacramental things happening in the Bible sprinkled in between the movie. There's some horrific things going on there if you want to talk about horror stories. That's totally the part, (laughs) that's totally the thing that makes this movie so difficult to watch because it's like you really want this thing to succeed because it on the surface it seems like it's founded on really good ideas of like we don't want to be secluded from the world we just don't want to live in a violent world and this is kind of the only way that we can and we're all getting ourselves out of bad situations and creating a better life for ourselves and building a community and everything and everything seems really great but it's all because people are putting up this front to make it look really great and there's a lot of darkness underneath it's always too good to be true yeah and then it gets real violent if it's good <laughs> but if you haven't seen this movie and you don't mind found footage kind of uh movies if you can kind of buy into that trope I think it's really good sounds good october 15th uh, i'm going to talk about this one briefly because we do have a show coming up soon that is all going to be based on sam raimi films and my recommendation for this day is drag me to hell from 2009 from the uh, the wonderful Sam Raimi, who's brought us a lot of, I guess we could argue, really well done comedy horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's all about that like <laughs> yeah. slapstick horror. He's kind of uh, one of the one of the greats in that realm. Drag Me to Hell is a crazy, insane kind of roller coaster of a film. Uh, it's about a a really nice young girl who just wants to get a promotion in her bank uh, to try to make a little bit more money. She's struggling and trying to trying to do well, and um, she is faced with a an elderly woman one day who is about to be kicked out of her home because she can't pay her bills. Um, she can't pay the loan. And this, this girl really wants to help her, but she knows that if she 
she tries to help her that she probably will be passed over for the promotion. So she decides to make uh, what they call a tough choice in the film. And she has to um, tell this woman that the bank can't help her. That You know, basically, we're going to kick you out of your house. You know, get out of here. This elderly woman makes a bit of a scene and ends up getting uh, taken out of the bank by security and... She, from then on out, has a, a, a serious vengeance thing against poor Christine. <laughs> and she decides to, uh, to, to get retaliation. That's putting it lightly. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the, the idea that I get is that, um, Mrs. Ganush is her name, is that she is a, a gypsy of some kind, and, and she decides to curse Christine for embarrassing her at the bank. The entirety of the rest of the film is about uh, Christine trying to uh, figure out how to escape this curse and all the nasty things that it brings with it. I'm not, to tell you the truth, like this kind of slapstick, like silly horror isn't normally my thing, but this one, I don't know. There's something about the imagery in this and the feeling of it, the vibe of it, how it it felt, even the sound of it felt really uh, like amplified in a strange way. So it almost was, uh, how do I say this? Uh, The sound, the the sound felt very uh too realistic you know yeah like, yeah it's like you're visceral. standing in front yeah. of them yeah yeah I, I i'm actually right there with you i'm not a huge fan of the slapstick horror but i i love drag me to hell it's just so much fun and yeah and i think that allison loman who plays uh christine love allison loman by the way i don't know that much about her but for a for a, a for like a main character, the main female in this, which her her you know her her job in this is basically to scream and be terrified through the whole movie. Um, I found her really just not annoying. She was a very pleasant <laughs> a very pleasant person to watch, you know. Yeah. And I and I was rooting for her. I'm like, she's a nice girl. I want her to come out on top in this, and I want her to survive and, and do good things. And Justin Long is also in this. Who uh, no spoilers here, but he's going to pop up a second time on our list. So I guess he's been in a few fun horror films too. He's in like everything. He gets around. <laughs> yeah, I think of him as like a yeah. comedy kind of actor, but I guess he definitely does more horror too. So the next one on our list is not a traditional horror movie i don't know how you guys felt about me putting this on here but october 16th hard candy which is on hulu right now and this is uh one of ellen page's very first roles it's something that will kind of really creep you out in terms of seeing ellen page in this role uh she plays a very young girl who is luring a um a pedophile by talking to him on a chat room and then you know they get to meeting up and he is a photographer as like seems like that in terms of movies whenever there's a uh, photographer introduced he's some kind of creeper mm-hmm. right that's like that's the staple I don't, I don't know why but this is i mean it's a very small uh set it's basically all taking place between ellen page and patrick wilson plays a pedophile which patrick wilson will absolutely pop up a couple more times on our list here because he's made quite a name for himself recently horror movies but this builds a lot of tension between them and you you kind of know where it's going from the uh from the beginning but when it really lands kind of hits you hard i feel like i should maybe issue a trigger warning with this one since it does deal with an older man trying to lure a young girl into a a bad situation here i will also say that she turns those tables on him fucking quickly and really hard (laughs) it's a very interesting movie but it's gonna make you hate humanity so it, it definitely like it's one of those things where you know that the situation at least in some parts has happened in reality and it just kind of proves that we are indeed living in the darkest timeline but Mm -hmm. yeah this is a it's an interesting role for both ellen page and patrick wilson it is from uh 2005 it's very strange 
I, I would recommend watching it at least once. I really enjoyed this it. This is one I haven't watched yeah? yet. I forgot. Yeah, I forgot no, about this movie. Yeah, I, I have heard about it a couple times that I keep thinking, oh, that'll be really good if I'm in the mood to, you know, hate yeah, everything. You, you <laughs> will um, feel bad about life. But I never... <laughs> watching this movie. Yeah, I never think about it when I'm like, oh, I want to watch something creepy. Yeah. Because it's not necessarily, you know, monsters or ghosts. Yeah, you're not going to see, like, dripping shadows everywhere. And there's no, like, you know, soundtrack that builds up to the corner where you see the monster, that kind of thing. It's it's one of these weird person-on-person situation horrors where it just builds attention. And it's very very much a psychological horror in a lot of ways. And it's a creepy role for Ellen Page particularly, and I think she nails it. It's about the horror of humanity, much like uh, the presidential debates which are happening right now. Yeah, literally as we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad we're doing this that I'm not like on Twitter reading everybody's cynical tweets Literally about it. just got a text saying, I'm watching the, the scariest horror movie of 2016, yeah. The Debate. <laughs> horror of humanity. Funny. Sierra's next. I just want to say, Sierra, the yep. next two movies I think are like a beautiful marriage. Marriage, so they line up really right. well because guess what they're kind they're zombie movies that aren't about zombies <laughs> my recommendation is Pontypool which you can watch on Netflix it is a movie about a guy who is this kind of crotchety man who is this radio host who hates authority and you know all of that kind of stuff and he's he's an interesting character in and of himself then all of this kind of weird stuff starts to happen and there are all these weird reports of people getting violent and like uh killing people and then <laughs> you figure out that uh there's quote-unquote zombie outbreak but they learn that the zombie virus is spread through a very unique means um i'm not sure how much would be considered spoilers but it's it's a really clever and unique movie and it's one that uh, I was really excited to come across because I think we all we all love zombies. I think we've all watched a lot of zombie movies. And this is one that I would watch over and over again because it's really interesting. I think normally in a zombie film, you see the main character sort of either trying to save themselves or trying to get into a position where they can just kill a lot of zombies, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this this one's unique because he does. He locks himself into the radio booth and decides to try to communicate with people and warn people yeah. about what's happening. And you're like, what? I've never seen somebody locked in a radio booth during a zombie <laughs> zombie apocalypse yeah 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 yeah. this is uh, might sound a little unrelated but i promise i'm getting to a point um (laughs) my favorite uh like doctor who episodes are always those kind of bottle ones that are just in one set um and this movie really feels that way it's just mostly in this radio studio and you kind of get information from the real world and it's very like you know just as much as the characters which you know doesn't always happen in horror because usually the audience kind of knows where the killer is and you're like no don't go in that room he's over there look out he's behind the door (laughs) yeah you dumb girl come on like (laughs) but this whole movie isn't necessarily about the monster so much it's more about figuring out what is going on and it's it's really uh keeps you engrossed because you are discovering it as the characters discover it that's cool yeah and it it gets bloody and and fun too so well i sure hope so yeah otherwise (laughs) it wouldn't be on this list so day 18 October 18th. Uh, we're about halfway through the month here. I'm going to counter that with another virus zombie film. One of my all-time favorites, which is 28 Days Later. 
and that's kind of the exact opposite of Pontypool in that it's a big, yeah. wide open space. It's from 2002. Uh, director Danny Boyle, who we all know from Trainspotting, he's done some also some more incredible stuff since then. The big thing about this was about the way that it was filmed and kind of the the gritty feeling of it. I know when it came out, I when I first started watching this, I felt a little bit slightly confused by the look of it. Like, wait, is this an old movie? What? Like, when did mm-hmm. this movie come out? <laughs> it's just it's made to feel very gritty and very realistic, and I think they did an amazing job at that. And I think a lot of other films have tried to copy that since and haven't been so successful with it. So, so this one is about uh, another virus that breaks out and affects people. The the greatest thing about this, I think, is much like The Walking Dead you pick up this story from the viewpoint of a guy named Jim who's waking up from a coma in a hospital. Which is, you know, a strange thing for me because you think about it, if you want to, like, pull it apart in the zombie apocalypse idea, like, sure, they're not going to wake up and become a zombie because they're not roaming around, but they are completely incapacitated. So, like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm torn about that idea that people in comas would just be left alone. Yeah. And not just... It's kind of like a free buffet for a zombie, right? It depends on the zombie. (laughs) I think... There's so many different flavors of zombie of like right these ones in this movie the rage virus monsters they uh, I think are kind of triggered by movement and sound and right. all of that kind of stuff versus I think other zombies kind of just know where humans are they smell them or you know have kind of that's a good point they, they really are triggered by know. by sound and movement and that so yeah I could see yeah. how they leave Jim alone there they're like triggered by life. So he doesn't really show any signs of life. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so this one is one of my favorites. Uh, the, the beginning scene of this, I think, is one of the most powerful scenes ever done in a zombie film when he is, uh, exiting the hospital for the first time and you get this beautiful, like, panned out view of London as he walks out in his hospital scrubs and everything's just kind of silent and blowing around quietly and this city that you know should be bustling and exciting and he's just wandering around alone and he can't find anybody. And to me, that's just like, it's that feeling of equally claustrophobic, but also too big Mm -hmm. and too Mm -hmm. empty, you know? Yeah. It just really screws with your psyche. Like, oh, God, there's nothing there. Like, it just feels too empty and too big. Yeah, it's that too open. terrifying reality of desolation there. Like, that's just nothing. Yeah. And then he, you know, he meets some really interesting characters. And he, along the way, and it's... I, I love this film because it feels like an adventure. It's a zombie apocalypse film, but it's like an oh, adventure. Yeah, you know, sure. Jim just, like, sets out and he has this... He makes friends. He makes enemies. He has all this stuff that happens along the way. It's not just about the zombies. And there's just, yeah, there's a really... uh Cillian Murphy is always, you know... A favorite. Yeah. His big beautiful eyes. He is nice. Blue, blue, beautiful (laughs) eyes. I feel like this was kind of the beginning of like his popularity too. Mm -hmm. It really was. was. Also in that movie on the plane too. Red eye. Red eye. Yeah. Red eye. When he gets stabbed in the throat. (laughs) I think. I feel like Sunshine may have been before this, but. I think Sunshine just didn't go over as well because yeah. we talked about Sunshine um, earlier in our sci-fi. Yeah. No, Sunshine was later. I'm sorry. That was 2007. I was wrong about that. But yeah, Cillian Murphy is really great. There's a few. I'm trying to look. There's a few people in here that I feel like have popped up in other things since too um, that are really great. Uh, Naomi Harris was really great in this. Um, she was also in Skyfall. She she was in... Actually, she was in Spectre too. She's been in a couple... A few James Bond movies. Yeah. 
I was going to say Christopher Eccleston is also in this one, who is, of course, the ninth doctor. Yeah. He is. I always forget about him because he's just kind of I know, because he's so mean. Yeah, he is mean. Yeah. But he's underrated. Yeah. He kind of comes and goes in the film. And, you know, I'm looking at, like, the IMBD, and I don't even see his name on the original cast list. Like, you have to go, you have to extend it down to find where he is on here. He's below infected kid. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry, Christopher. Womp, womp. <laughs> sorry, buddy. So yeah, 28 days later. Pow. Oh, that movie's so good. It also has such a good soundtrack. We have uh, a lot oh, of good does, soundtracks. It does on have this an list. incredible soundtrack, yeah. Speaking of soundtrack. So the next one we're gonna bring it back to humans being terrible. Uh this is <laughs> one of my favorite movies, honestly. I love this movie so much. October 19th, we're going to go with American Psycho. This is back in uh 2000, and this is one that I expect a lot of our listeners would probably have watched before but if it's been a while you should definitely pull it out because it holds up so well it's incredible a couple of (laughs) interesting trivia points here they actually went through quite a lot of uh casting options for patrick bateman before they settled on christian bale and i mean this was like tom cruise uh leonardo dicaprio ewan mcgregor all these people were slated to be patrick bateman And Christian Bale actually personally went to some of these actors and was like, hey, don't do that. I want to. And it's it's like just just imagining him. Could you just just not? I mean, come on, man. Just just give it to me. You know? Yeah. I just imagine going around like that. And it's just... It cracks me up every time. I I think in the end, he was an incredible choice for Patrick Bateman. He wanted this part so fucking bad, like so bad. And he nailed it. Like he really wears that mask of humanity that uh, Patrick Bateman really carries around with him. If case you haven't seen this movie, this is about a wealthy New York investment baker who hides his alternate psychopathic ego from his co-workers and friends he starts out you know being this very popular very fit in kind of guy he's actually in the movie engaged to reese weatherspoon it just keeps diving in further and further to how much of a moral compass this guy does not have and how absolutely (laughs) insane like fucking batshit and insane he is and he is so much of a terrible taste in music he has. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's an entire, <laughs> oh my God. There's an entire scene where he is just completely talking up Peter Gabriel and Genesis and he's, uh, attacking Jared Leto in that. And it's, it's kind of incredible. Can Psycho is one of the most quoted movies around my group of friends, I think. Like, oh my God. It has a watermark. <laughs> just constantly, we're we're all over this uh, movie. I have not read the book myself, but I've heard it is incredible. Have either of you read the book? I've no, also not. heard that it's really good, though. Yeah, it's one that I want to read. Yeah, that's definitely on my on my to read list. This is basically just a guy who's so obsessed with keeping up appearances that he's driving himself insane. And he's, I mean, he was pro- probably already insane to begin with, but clearly something snapped at some point. And he just prefers to spend his time running around in really high-end apartment buildings chasing people with a a chainsaw while being completely naked at the time. So, yeah, that's American Psycho for you. This is one of my favorite movies ever. Yeah? And I didn't realize that I had forgotten to put it on the list until I remembered to put it on the list. And then I looked and I'm like, oh, hey, Jake, Jackie's got that. (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) Never mind. I think that this movie is incredible. This is also the beginning of a really unhealthy crush 
clash with Christian Bale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Christian Bale doing push up can't be mm-hmm. beat. Yeah. <laughs> True. I've been watching Dexter because I missed the Dexter train when it went around the first time. No. Oh. But it, that's all on Netflix too. And in watching Dexter, it makes me want to rewatch American Psycho. I could totally see. There's so many similarities between it. It's insane. Right? Dexter is just American <laughs> Psycho the show. Yeah. Well, except Dexter actually does have a moral compass. Like, he goes after yeah, he other has some serial rules. killers. Whereas Patrick Bateman just, he wants Kills, to feed to a kill, stray yeah. cat to an ATM and all this shit. Like, yep. he's nuts. <laughs> he's straight bananas. He's psycho. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this, but American Psycho is actually on Broadway right now. The musical. And I've heard I that it's pretty good. I forgot about that. Isn't Matt Smith yeah. in that? The, you know... In the London version. The yes. 11th Doctor? Yeah. Man, Doctor yeah. Who's been coming up a lot for us Just today. coming up a lot. Yeah. <laughs> when we start our uh, Sirens of Scream book club, that'll be the first one. Agreed. That, that thing I want to start that we will probably never do. But if, <laughs> if people want to, you should tell us on Twitter. Yep. October 20th. We're getting there. My recommendation is Devil's Pass. You can find on Hulu. This movie is based off of an actual kind of urban legend or weird happenstance an actual weird mystery in real life it's about the uh okay i'm gonna totally butcher this russian word the detolve pass Datolov pass where basically a bunch of students were hiking in it and they mysteriously disappeared but there's a lot of weird weird bits about this this case where like people were found you know like they were just found having ran out in the middle of the night um their bodies were found when they didn't even bother to like put on real clothes or anything they were just like running away like why would you be running away and so it seems like all these people kind of went crazy or like weird things were happening or maybe aliens there's a lot of like weird conspiracy theories around it so if you ever want to like go into a wikipedia a loop and lose a couple of hours of your life you should go look up you should look up this this whole story that happens way too frequently for me <laughs> yeah it's it's really weird and interesting and nothing really makes sense and once you think it starts to make sense it doesn't really make sense hmm. so this movie is kind of an imagining of what might have happened so it sticks to this the agreed upon story of these kids going out and you know they're making a documentary and they're going up into this mountain um and then it gets kind of sci-fi-ish and kind of there's you know maybe some weird monsters there's maybe some time travel i don't know there's a lot of weird uh psych- like <laughs> it just gets so weird one that i wanted to rewatch before we started recording this episode because i put it on the list because i was like i want to rewatch this movie it's really good and yeah have you guys seen it? I haven't even heard of it, but it sounds like right the fuck up my alley. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. I feel like I have. I'm looking at uh, images of it and it looks so familiar, but I i don't know. Part of me feels like I might be confusing it with another college students going into a cold maybe. cabin. Yeah, maybe. Movie. <laughs> Starts out. It definitely does start out as like, oh, I've heard this story before, but then it, it goes way off the rails into something that I haven't really <laughs> seen before. It, awesome. it becomes very sci-fi and mystery based. Our list is amazing because both I, uh, all, all three of us, I think, are discovering some movies that we weren't aware of before. And I'm being reminded of a lot of movies that I forgot about that were really great. So mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Patting ourselves on the back some more. Yeah, we're doing such a good job. so day 21 i'm gonna uh take it back to zombies again and sorry everybody but this is another uh foreign film so you're gonna have to read some words and stuff (laughs) (laughs) 2007 called wreck and i think we've mentioned this one on another episode before but 
a really great zombie film about a TV reporter and a cameraman who go in with some emergency workers into an apartment building where some crazy shit is going down and they go in to record it. The idea is basically that they think, oh, we're just going to follow these emergency people and kind of see what they do in their daily lives. And they just <laughs> really are in the wrong place at the wrong time. And they end up getting trapped inside this apartment building that gets quarantined, keep the yuckies on the inside. And the yuckies just happen to be really vicious zombies who want to eat their faces. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> this movie is another one of those ones that I think it, it really excels at creating that kind of like claustrophobic, you know, tight spaces terror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of it's in the dark. So you never know like what's going to, you know, you're, you're seeing everything from the view of like people with like, like, uh, head, like headlights on and he- headlamps. So everything's very like narrow. Your point of view is very narrow lots of times and you don't know what's going to happen until the character turns around. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's funny to me that you recommended, uh, both this and, uh, 28 days later because those are my two all time favorite zombie movies. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, we're going to get, we're going to get tweets about how those aren't zombie movies now, though. <laughs> They are. They're listen, not technically zombies. Listen. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just going to say right now. I'm just going to say right now. The whole term zombie technically means somebody possessed by voodoo. So. Yeah. By That's that. Fair. By that clarification. I, I think you cannot. You cannot block zombie into being. They come back from the dead. They're zombies because they're viruses. They're not dead all the way. They're whatever. You know, I think, I don't think anybody can really monopolize that term because the term never meant a dead person to begin with. But to ease the haters, these are infection based zombies. Everybody happy? Everybody yeah. Right. There's different flavors <laughs> yeah. of zombies. We haven't done a zombie episode yet, but we'll do it. We all, yeah. we all got a lot to say about zombies. <laughs> You know, <laughs> horror's all about, horror's all about very personal fear, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, everybody's afraid of something different. I'm terrified of fast-moving zombies. That's so. fair. That's a good fear to <laughs> have. Yeah. For me, slow-moving zombies are less scary, and that's just the way it is. And, you know, I- I've seen all the George Marrow stuff, but that's, to me, the fast-moving zombies in the dark in these tight spaces, like, that's... That's what gets into my head. So, Fair enough. Wreck. Something to note about Wreck, there is an American version. If you truly don't want to read the words on a screen, which is kind of a bummer. Um, but it's called Quarantine, and it does have a different ending, so I would still mm-hmm. recommend watching both. But, yeah, if you really have a problem with words on a screen, there is an American version for you. I agree. I agree with that. You should watch both if you're going to watch Quarantine. Also, it's a zombie movie. You know what's happening based on what you're seeing. You don't need to read that much. It's okay. <laughs> It's true. (laughs) The the words don't really mean a whole lot. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So I'm going to bring it back with uh, another kind of non-traditional horror movie. It's a little bit traditional. Yeah. But I know this is one of Sierra's favorites, too. 1408, which is starring John Cusack, which is America's sweetheart. I don't care what anybody says. Mm -hmm. Basically goes around debunking (laughs) paranormal occurrences. And as I mentioned earlier, as soon as somebody decides to put that down as their job choice, they're gonna, they're gonna meet some really terrifying shit. Mm -hmm. So he, with his job, comes to the fabled room 1408 at the Dolphin Hotel. 
And as soon as he starts getting comfy, you know, putting on those hotel slippers, checking out the pay-per-view, stuff goes awry. And he is just stuck in this loop. And it is, again, exactly what Melissa mentioned on that last recommendation. One of those very bottled in, you know, it's a bottle episode. You're, you're, he's stuck in this one place and he can't go anywhere. He keeps trying to escape this room and half of the actual terror is that he can't get out of it. He's just going to wake up and hear that same old Carpenter song that we've only just begun bullshit all over again (laughs) and he's gonna start pulling out his hair about it. But I think this is... Like, one of the really well-made horror movies that doesn't involve actual gore or, Mm -hmm. you know, slashes or anything. This is from about uh, 2007 is when it came out. And I don't know. It's it's just one that keeps keeps a very warm place in my heart. I have another movie to recommend later on that's coming up on the list, which it also feels kind of that, like, trapped in a weird different state in a different place and that like this is what purgatory feels like like i just can't get out of this that's a great um, great way to describe it which is an interesting very interesting idea yeah oh this is one i've never heard of so really really oh wow no. you're gonna love it i have it. a theory i have a theory that stephen king I'm sorry uh short <laughs> stories translate better to movies than novels i absolutely because i agree. like this one a whole lot and like i like secret window mostly because i really love johnny depp except for i have a lot of conflicting feelings about it recently <laughs> but uh <laughs> i don't know i think that as i've read the book version too and i think it translates really well it's a little campy watching it but i also love it because it's a little campy and a little cheesy yeah and the the camp doesn't overpower it too so it's yeah no it's the the effects are i think apt like they work with the story yeah it is that classic stephen king version of camp yeah it's a little absurd but you you know you see what it's getting at melissa you gotta watch it it's so good i will i have a lot of watching to do after this list is over (laughs) i know me too i'm excited for october now not that i wasn't not excited but even more reason to be excited october 22nd or no that was 22nd this is 23rd this is a a pretty different choice from the rest of the movies. This one is an actual documentary. It's called My Amnival Horror. You can find it on Hulu. And it follows Daniel Lutz, who is a kid who lived through the Amnival ordeal. I, I assume that anybody listening to this podcast has probably either read the Amnival book or watched one of the many movies of it or all of the movies of it or, you know, has some kind of understanding about it. But this is a movie, it came out in 2012. And so it's interesting to hear 35 years later, this kid recounting the story of uh, what actually happened. It's maybe not as satisfying because I really want ghosts to be real and everything to be real. But it's really interesting in the way that it's he talks about the psychological impact of all of the ordeal that went around everybody kind of the exposure of being this infamous family and the actual occurrences with his father especially and so that's it's it's really interesting really interesting angle yeah he's it's maybe not the most well budgeted or well made kind of movie it's very documentary style it's very um a little cheesy again kind of campy but it's it's got a lot there that i think is pretty interesting also because i just love the amnival story i want to learn more about it that's very cool sierra is really trying to bring some like documentary reality stuff into her halloween yeah yeah no i'm really interested in like i'm all for it the real life stories behind these kind of horror movies and all of these the stories that everybody kind of knows like what is (laughs) what is actually underneath 
Yeah. What is real and what is just imagined. Which is always really interesting. I know to me personally, that's always really interesting, especially like the aftermath. Like, I, I'm i always that person that sits there during an action movie, like, how the fuck is that guy going to get to work the next morning now that you just smashed yes. his car, Hulk? And so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I always want to know what happened after. Like, is is everybody okay? Like, like, like how are they dealing with everyday <laughs> life now? What's, what's going on? You need the follow-up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well... As you would imagine, if as you were a kid, your house may or may not have been haunted by demons, and then it became this big sensation where everybody was interviewing you, it definitely had its toll. And that's, this movie is all about that. Yep. Nice. So, my Amityville Horror. Like some kind of like VH1 follow-up. Where are they yes. now? <laughs> <laughs> there needs to be a horror version of that's so bad. <laughs> Let's kickstart that. That would be awesome. <laughs> so October 24th, I'm going to take it back to uh, some sci-fi horror. Yeah. Because we need some more science in our lives. We're going to go all the way back to what I believe is the oldest film on this list today. 1979 for Alien. Alien is, it's, I, I don't know. If you haven't seen Alien, I don't even want to know you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even I, like. I feel silly even explaining what this movie's about because everybody knows Alien. Yeah, we've actually um, talked yeah. about it a few times, but we have. Yeah, we have. But I can't it's not with, have it on the list yeah. because it is an absolute must-watch during October. Sure. Yeah, and it's, sure. It's, and I think if you want to go really crazy, you could watch Aliens right after it. <laughs> that would yeah. be a that'd be a really good October twenty-fourth, if you ask me. <laughs> well. Let me, so we, uh, we did do a, we do a lot of movie nights in my house. We have like a, a projector in a big theater room and we did an aliens night to celebrate alien day recently. What I will tell you is if you're not familiar with the alien franchise, alien, the original alien is more of a horror film. It's very dark. It's very slow. It's very creepy. It's got a very, um, heavy vibe to it. Aliens is much more of a kind of action, silly sci-fi film that just happens to feature terrifying aliens. Yeah. That's a good <laughs> so distinction to make there between those two. Yeah. So depending on what kind of, you know, what kind of thing you're looking for. So that's why I had to put Alien on this list because I think in the realm of sci-fi horror, this is one of the... Um, it is the, the sci-fi horror. Like, it's like yeah. what... Yeah, easy. Yeah. I think it's very... I think it's a definitely a high point for Ridley Scott to begin with. I think it's probably the most famous character for Sigourney Weaver, mm-hmm. who is, uh, you know, Ripley. I just want to... I want to do some kind of, like, Amen Ripley. <laughs> cross. Cross. Yeah. Cross, yeah. <laughs> Amen Queen Ripley. And, you know, I think it's I think it's the uh, the sci-fi horror that most sci-fi horror that we know modern in modern day uh, strives to repeat the kind of lightning in a bottle that this achieved. So also with, you know, characters based on the designs by H.R. Geiger, the, the scenery and the, the probably the most some of the most impressive physical effects that have ever been done in in sci-fi or in horror or in alien so you gotta watch alien before halloween (laughs) and you know what i think is funny is that we talked to i mentioned earlier about these posters that you see that graphic artists do with Mm -hmm. like the big you know the big horror characters that we all know like pinhead and freddy krueger and jason and i've seen a few of those that have the alien queen (laughs) there yes (laughs) and it's so funny because there are these you know they're not, anap- they're, they're not like, they're not humanized. They're not, they're not anap- anapomorphized. They're, they're, they're just creatures. They're aliens. They don't try to make them seem less than that, but 
people still see these aliens as you know as their own characters yeah mm-hmm. which i think is is uh is pretty cool and impressive too that people like see so much personality and, and character in these in these aliens absolutely so, that's the alien well for the 25th we're gonna ease you guys back into modern day by still kicking it old school 19- <laughs> 1994 here with interview of the vampire this is by far my favorite vampire movie ever even though brad pitt's accent work really needed work back then but it's okay <laughs> we still love you everything's cool so many ruffles <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this is like really the the vampire movie that made me love vampires and i was like 10 when this came out (laughs) i still i just i watched it and i loved it so much this stars brad pitt tom cruise and kirsten dunst if you haven't seen it which i'm gonna say is unlikely for our listeners but just in case uh, uh christian slater comes in to interview a vampire. The vampire, Brad Pitt, Louis, he takes him back to the 1600s when he was turned into a vampire and how his life didn't really have much in it. So he met this mysterious man out by a pub when he was drunk one time and the man turned him into a vampire. And that would be Tom Cruise there. Lestat, who is the vampire to end all vampires in terms of the Anne Rice (laughs) world Mm -hmm. there. And the vampire Lestat like shows him how to be a vampire, how to really live it up, and he just lives this decadent beautiful lifestyle and with like no qualms about morality at all here he knows that he's this everlasting evil and he can do what the hell he wants so he does what the hell he wants and he sees that louis is kind of struggling gives him a daughter who is kirsten dunst like she's so tiny and cute like the cutest little vampire in this movie the cutest little monster (laughs) louis still not happy he's struggling with his uh his morals there and it's just this entire story this lasting centuries of these uh couple of vampires and uh how they how they adjust to being life and being brought into the modern day i don't think brad pitt has ever been as pouty as he is in this movie like i i love this movie and i just always think about like his face he just has this like pumped up like big pouty <laughs> lip thing going on yeah like a, a lip that you could basically turn into a surfboard on it <laughs> <laughs> so far there. He's a, like the whiniest vampire ever. <laughs> oh my gosh. And Antonio Banderas and that mm-hmm. black hair. Yeah. This movie. This movie was like the the monster sex fantasy of every yep. I was about 14 to say, year old. If you want to talk about sexy <laughs> horror, interview the vampires yeah. up there for sure. For October twenty sixth, everybody should watch Dead End. Uh, you can find this streaming on Amazon Prime, or you could rent it. I don't, I don't know. This is one that I watched uh, <laughs> because it has Ray Weiss, who was Leland in uh, Twin Peaks. Oh, yeah, you have my attention. Yeah. <laughs> this is the other one that kind of feels like Purgatory, where this family is on a road trip. Uh, they're going to like see their relatives for Christmas, so they're driving down this weird highway and shit goes wrong like they kind of enter like a weird dimension almost it's very um it's it's very bizarre uh you don't really know where it's gonna go exactly because it it doesn't really play by any kind of rules and this is a movie that was made in 2003 but it feels almost like it was made in the the 80s or maybe 90s or something it feels a little older but it's one that 
another hidden gem, which we're all about, that I found on on Amazon one day, and I was super into it when I did, when I found it. That sounds awesome. Ray Weiss just has like a face made for horror. I know, I and he s- is really good <laughs> in this movie. I would watch him read the phone book. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of this one, but it's 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 very much based on that kind of like classic urban yeah. legend, right? Of the the white lady on the yep, roadside. For sure. I think if you pick up a creepy lady and her baby on the You're side of the road, for then trouble. you just deserve you deserve what but you get. But also, <laughs> if you ignore the lady, then there's like the moral, like, oh no, karma's gonna get me. Then maybe something bad's gonna happen if I don't. So you're Yeah, you're probably fucked up. Damned if way, you do, honestly. damned if you don't. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, but this movie sure. is unless she looks like a ghost. Yeah, this movie <laughs> is <laughs> It feels a little slow at times but then it ramps up really hard so if you feel yourself getting a little uh dreary in the middle i think you should just stick with it because it gets really weird okay we are on 27 yeah yeah Uh, i'm gonna bring it back to another uh classic and talk about 1982's the thing from john carpenter this is probably Um, my favorite horror movie i think i know i'm throwing out a bunch of classics here but i just feel like there's certain movies that you absolutely have to watch in the month of october and the ones that I'm throwing at you, I think, hold up really well, so you can keep watching them. Yeah, they're pretty necessary. So if you live in a cave somewhere and you haven't seen the thing, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know why you'd be listening to our show if you haven't seen the thing or Alien. It's uh, about a a research base in the middle of winter, and they come across a some kind of an alien force, and it's really, really nasty, dangerous alien thing that kind of takes over bodies and does nasty things to people. Kurt Russell stars in this. I think one of my favorite Kurt Russell roles ever. I agree. Anybody anybody whose favorite Kurt Russell is Big Trouble in Little China just doesn't know what they're talking about. <laughs> like they have not seen the thing. <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot of good Kurt Russell out there, but this is like Kurt Russell at his prime. Mm-hmm. And and his and his top beard form as well. Yep. So <laughs> yeah, no, the thing is uh is one of my all-time favorites. I saw this when I was very young. I can't remember how young, maybe too young because I watched scary <laughs> movies with my dad really young. And this terrified me. There's a there's a scene in particular in this film that involves some dogs that they keep on the base um that when this scene happened, which is fairly early on in uh their their encounters with the aliens, I just was I just was so freaked out and unsettled and unnerved by that and i think i'd never seen maybe this this might have been the beginning of like my encounters with like seeing animals involved mm-hmm. in a horror movie quite like this you know i mean there's always like there's usually in supernatural films there's like a family dog yeah who that gets who killed barks at some point, and yeah. tries to warn the family and yeah. they're like oh the dog is so weird yeah. let's just go yeah. about our business every time i don't understand <laughs> yeah. how they always ignore the dog like so dumb <laughs> the family dog is like is the scared black guy of slasher films yep. for su- supernatural movies if there's a family dog the family dog's going first mm-hmm. and you just know that <laughs> um but this one this one used uh used used animal animals in a, a very different way and it really just <laughs> grossed me out and creeped me mm-hmm. out so the thing is what is a horror movie that stuck with me throughout my early years of, of horror and i think uh it's another one of those classics that a lot of sci-fi horror films try to reach for 
and achieve its greatness. A thousand percent agreed on this end. 28, I'm really excited about too. Jack can talk about 28. <laughs> we're into- I like this movie. <laughs> we're, we're into our last round here before Halloween. Yep. Dang, this is a big list. All right, so this one is also on Amazon Prime. And just a little side note, Amazon Prime has a ridiculous amount of really good classic horror movies. If you're yeah. looking for- yeah, you like don't think about it. Please find that. But they're all there. Yeah, when I was doing research for this, I'm like, wow, they've got... This is interesting. So the next one, October 28th, is Fido. And Fido was made in 2006. And it is absolutely campy. And it is definitely cheesy. Mm-hmm. It's cheesy as all hell. but In, in the best of ways. Yeah, it is so fun. It is, Like, I honestly, I put off watching this for the longest time because I just thought it was going to be stupid. But I finally did watch it. I'm like, this is adorable. And this is so much fun. And definitely the kind of thing that you can show to your friends who are not complete horror fanatics but any mm-hmm. horror fan is gonna is gonna find something they love about it too just to give you a, a general overview fido is set in a world that resembles 1950s america and this has like post-apocalypse kind of world where they're rebuilding from a zombie apocalypse and in their rebuilding they set up little towns with this this corporation called zomcom who basically comes in and sets barriers all around these little towns to keep them away from the dead zones where a bunch of zombies are and life pretty much goes on as usual in these little towns except that they have zombies and they figured out that they can contain the zombies and they can control them and they can basically do menial work like you know a bag boy at a grocery store or a butler in a house and it's like a big thing socially to have your own zombie in the house and that kind of thing. This follows around a family where the mother is very obsessed with keeping up appearances and she really wants to keep up with the Joneses next door. The father just kind of falls flat in life in general. And the son is, he's the smart kid. He's a little bit geeky, but he gets picked on by everybody because, you know, he's not, you know, the football player kind of kid. He's actually questions Zomcom and he questions all these zombies and things the story follows this boy who is a little bit lonely and doesn't really have a lot of friends there and his newly acquired zombie pet who he names <laughs> fido and it's really cute it's really heartwarming and I, I i think it's gonna go like toward the top of the list for in terms of my favorite zombie movies it's it's a lot of fun there oh and carrie Ann moss i love her yeah yeah i actually <laughs> when i first saw this I was like is that who is that and my husband's <laughs> like that's carrie Ann moss duh and i'm like oh my god <laughs> it is <laughs> and she was really pregnant in the filming of this movie was she oh yeah i think fido is a really super fun and cute he's like he reminds me of bub yeah um they definitely the- did that on purpose yeah right it's kind of like if you were able to actually like take bub out of the basement yep. <laughs> bunker and put him out into society you know he's just a good zombie that wants to be part of a happy family he's just doing his best (laughs) (laughs) yeah no this movie's so fun and it's good i think to uh, we have a pretty heavy list going on here so it's nice to like throw in something silly like fido in the middle of it yeah that'll lighten up the mood so that you're prepared for trick-or-treaters in a couple days (laughs) gotta loosen things up a little bit speaking of silly weird movies yeah a little silly weird for the 20th I put down Tusk, which is available on Amazon Prime right now. I'm interested to hear what you guys think of this movie, because I feel like people who watched it were pretty 50-50 of like, I hate this movie, or I love this movie. I haven't seen it. Oh, really? I, so it's it's a Kevin Smith movie. It has our, our buddy Justin Long in it, and 
our buddy Johnny Depp. It's about this guy who goes to interview some somebody in Canada, and it it turns out get it, it it gets real weird real fast. As as you can probably guess if you've heard anything about this movie or you have seen it before, there's there's some walrusing, and it gets really grotesque and weird. And <laughs> did you say walrusing? Yeah, yes, I, as okay. a as a verb. <laughs> <laughs> I like this movie because it's, it has a humor about it, but it is also very, very disturbing. And I think that might be why a lot of people didn't like it is because the joining of those two feelings is maybe not everybody's favorite, but I thought it was really fun. I loved it. I remember at the end of this movie just going, what the fuck did I just see? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know what that was. <laughs> and, and yeah, and sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's a bad thing for people. But I like No, I I liked it. Yeah. I don't know how many times I would rewatch it because yeah, it's so that's fair. weird. And, that's fair. Yeah, like just kind of gives you like weird, gross feelings sometimes. But, you know, yeah, I just was completely confused by it the first time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like what just looking at yeah just looking at the person next to me like i don't what what <laughs> are you seeing this like, should too? we rewind yeah should we like rewind like the last 40 minutes of that and see what what just happened again i'm not sure <laughs> talk talk about a twist right mm-hmm. absolutely <laughs> this movie this movie's got a, a twist that I don't know. I don't know how, I don't know who, how this came out of anybody's brain. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I guess it was based off of a bit on his podcast, which is funny that they took a, a riff and turned it into an actual movie. That's cool, though. I like that. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, whether or not that uh, has enough to fill out an entire plot of a movie or, or a very good story is up for debate, but it's a really interesting and bizarre idea. So I think it's worth watching. <laughs> <laughs> we are almost at the end of our list. Here. So day 30 of October. I'm going to bring something that I don't think we've actually covered yet here, which is a, um, well, it's another Guillermo del Toro, my second of the list, mm-hmm. but it is what I'd refer to as a more of kind of an American gothic yeah. horror. Mm-hmm. Okay, I should say the name of it. I'm talking about Crimson Peak <laughs> from 2015, and I know that I've mentioned this on the show before, but this is one of my one of my all-time favorite films um, that I've seen probably in the last like five years alongside like The Babadook and It Follows. Just a thought was really, really unique and different. So Crimson Peak is a, a really beautiful, gothic, colorful story about a woman whose mother, mother dies when she's very young and she is this is all in the victorian era and she's of marriageable age and the person who's caring for her her father decides that she needs to meet a wealthy man and she needs to start her life and she becomes um, enamored with a man named thomas sharp who's this uh, mysterious guy who shows up from england um and you know we fall for those accents. <laughs> he's he's got this, mm-hmm. yeah, he's got these beautiful suits and this beautiful accent. Um, he's very charming and he also brings his sister along with him, Lady Lucille Sharp, who is less charming, um, but equally beautiful. They basically, Thomas decides to marry her and marry Edith and he sweeps her away to England. He takes her to live in this gigantic, completely, uh, ramble shack, like falling apart mansion. He's got this big giant mansion in the middle of nowhere that is apparently built over the top of some mines some kind of i forget what they were what was coming out of them it was uh these mines and the house is like leaking this red goo that he says is coming up from underground from the mines and the the house is very like it's falling apart it's obvious that this family
family does not have the money that they give the impression that they have, and things are really strange. The There's some really beautiful acting in this. Uh, Mia Wasikowska, I don't know if I'm saying that name right. She plays Edith, and Jessica Chastain is, is Lady Lucille Sharp. Tom Hiddleston plays Thomas Sharp. And also one of my fa- favorites, Charlie Hunnam is in this. Ooh, I love Charlie Hunnam. Yeah, Charlie Hunnam plays uh, Edith's uh, kind of like school sweetheart that she grew up with like her friend that she grew up with he's her uh, some guy named jim beaver i don't know who that is but that's a funny name so let me know that that's in there um no it's a really beautiful film the reason i love this is that it is a ghost story but i think when this when this film was put out and the trailers were put out a reminder to everybody the people that make trailers are not the same people who make these movies so they're often misrepresented yeah and yes. i think this movie was ghostbusters cough cough right right <laughs> <laughs> I think this movie was really sold as a ghost movie and people expected it to be this like horrifying jump scare sort of thing. And it's really a movie about people and it's about it's about the evil and the the terribleness that people will do to to get what they want and to keep what they want. There are ghosts, but the ghosts are kind of like they're kind of like neighbors. They're just kind of like they exist there, but they're not what the story is about. And they just they they add an extra level, an extra layer to the story, but they don't make the story. So I really love. I don't remember ever seeing a movie before like this where where the ghosts the ghosts are terrifying. Don't get me wrong, they're scary. They're <laughs> scary as shit. Um, but. I don't remember ever seeing a movie where the ghosts were scary like this and then you like when the movie's over you just sort of realize you weren't paying that much attention to the ghosts because the the mm-hmm. story and the people are so incredibly engaging and what was happening with these people was so you got you just get completely wrapped up in them and it's like oh yeah there's another ghost okay cool <laughs> really beautiful film I think a lot of people, a lot more people should see this than have seen it. Don't be turned off by the trailer or by people saying it wasn't scary enough. It, it It's just not what you think it's going to be. And it's, and hey, if you're a fan of Tom Hiddleston, there's a really great, like, there's a really great scene in here of Tom Hiddleston's butt bobbing up and down. <laughs> which, you can also, which you can also find if you do a quick Google image search because apparently people have made a lot of memes of, and uh, GIFs on this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, great movie. Crimson Peak. Awesome. Guys. Is we made it to Halloween. Yay us! It's October 31st! <laughs> <Yay>. Um... <laughs> So we figure that for actually Halloween night, most people probably have plans. They aren't going to sit down and watch a movie. But for the 31st, we would like to recommend a couple of movies that we think are very, you know, capture the spirit of it. And you could put it on in the background and it could be a really good addition to a party or while you're, you know, in between trick-or-treaters coming to your door. Some classic movies that you should absolutely be watching on Halloween night, but you can have them kind of secondary to what your normal plans are so jackie what's your what's your pick for halloween mine is actually trick or treat the 2000 Yay! movie this is a movie of five vignettes of five interwoven stories that all occur on halloween and this is just so quintessentially halloween like the spirit of halloween quite literally mm-hmm. to me because i mean it literally has a character that embodies the spirit of halloween (laughs) but this easy so this uh uh, like i said it follows around five different uh stories that happen on halloween and uh they're all they all have their own merit they all have their own uh coolness going on but they all have that same vein of like you just you feel that autumn air and the crunchy leaves and you know the pump you smell the pumpkins all that it's just it's so wonderfully halloween to me and this is one that i cannot go through october without 
stop watching every year. It it needs to go on. And it actually has one of the most quoted lines that happen around my house in it. And that's, Charlie Brown's an asshole! So, <laughs> if you're around my house around Halloween, you will hear that a few times. <laughs> but yeah, if you haven't seen Trick or Treat, this is, I mean, it's definitely one of those movies that you just really feel. the You really feel Halloween when you watch it. Mm-hmm. Melissa, what did you decide on for your Halloween pick? <laughs> I'm going to probably throw out the lightest thing that's on this list tonight, uh, soften it up a bit, and I'm going to say The Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes. Which I know has a huge kind of cult following, so everybody, probably there's people rolling their eyes at me right now, <laughs> but I don't care. God damn it. The Nightmare Before Christmas gives me permission to make Christmas into Halloween as well. Yep. Um, which <laughs> is a total win in my book. So <laughs> I, I, I literally watch this movie every single year, like Halloween and Christmas. It's our, it's our regular movie. I think it is, uh, the prime moment for Danny Elfman and mm-hmm. his musical score work Absolutely. with Tim Burton. Yeah. I think almost every creature and every little ghoulie that you meet in this film is charming in some way or another. There's so many memorable characters in this film. And, you know, one of the... I'm not a romantic person. I'm half Vulcan, but <laughs> one of the best, you know, love stories out there, the, the story of Jack and Sally finding each other. So, yeah, I think Nightmare Before Christmas is a must-see, and I think it's also a really beautiful film to have on, you know, like Sierra Man- if you're having people over and you're playing some board games or something, doing some fun stuff on Halloween, if you put this on, it's a great, great music, mm-hmm. Good you know, great animation. Yeah, great sing-alongs. I'm sure there'll be a few people in, in various rooms of your house kind of quietly singing along to the songs because they're irresistible. <laughs> or if you're me, you're saying every single line with the movie. <laughs> Very loud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Quoting it as loud as I can, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Max is uh, a huge fan of this as well. It's one of his. It, this was his first Tim Burton film, and he just loves it. And anybody who says the word Halloween around him will start him off on a singing this tangent. He sings, "This is Halloween," <laughs> <laughs> in like the fastest, most jumbled up toddler version that you've ever heard. It just is like one big long word that eventually ends at this uh, climax of the song. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cute. Um, that's mine. That's my Halloween movie. Cool. Sierra, I'm excited about so- yours. Yeah, so for mine, I think that uh, everybody should watch the Insidious movies, at least Insidious 1. If you aren't familiar with it, it's about this family, and there's some evil spirits involved, and their kid is comatose, and he goes into this other realm called The Further. And these movies, they absolutely feel like as you're watching them, you're just walking through a haunted house. Like, it it gets the whole atmosphere really well. It doesn't, it, it doesn't do it really in a cheesy way. It does it very, like, honestly. And I think they're very beautiful movies that you don't necessarily need to be like watching super closely and nitpicking everything to be able to enjoy them but even if you do that and you watch all of them I think that the whole series is a really good arc too so you know you could go either way and it's also it's by director James Wan who you might know from doing The Conjuring which we've talked about before um so yeah I'm really he and Patrick Wilson are on a roll these days absolutely <laughs> yeah that's like a dream team yeah you can't keep track of if they're the good guy or the bad guy uh-huh at any given moment yep. yeah. <laughs> cool well we also we had some recommendations from our followers on facebook and twitter um we asked everybody what their you know quintessential can't go through october without watching these movies what 
what everybody's favorites were. And so some suggestions that we might have covered a couple of these, but I think there's a lot that we should still mention. Samuel Moon said Dance of the Dead, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, which we need to talk about eventually. I'm surprised that hasn't come up yet. Trick or Treat Again, May, Detention, The Innkeepers, Ginger Snaps, Return of the Living Dead, A Real Friend, Cube, The Hills Run Red, The Blob, Laid to Rest, Hatchet Trilogy, Dance of the Dead. And that's that's a great list in and of itself. Um, that is a great list. Yeah. One thing I want to <laughs> point out there, Ginger Snaps is so much fun. <laughs> oh, so yes. Much fun. That's such a good one. I love our followers because they come up with things that like, oh, that makes me think of this, which reminds me of this. And like, we're all speaking the same language. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Sammy Castle, our buddy, recommended Trick or Treat again. Um, Halloween, of course. Uh, Rocky Horror. You got to go see a a live version hopefully it's not october if we don't see rocky horror which i don't know if we've talked about the the new show yet that's coming out but i have opinions about it if we want to talk about it eventually <laughs> and Pumpkinhead. i have opinions i it. have things to say but we've been talking for a long time so maybe next time <laughs> um <laughs> On Twitter, at Geek Country Lady, uh, recommended The Orphanage, which we talked about, Event Horizon, which we also talked about, and Black Sheep. So we're all on the same wavelength there. Patrick LaRose said Devil's Backbone and The Conjuring, which would be another good one. And Jeremy Hatchett said It's a Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, the classic. Charlie Brown's an asshole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we covered so much. I think what we've actually decided to do for this is instead of listing all of our recs in the show notes like we normally do, we're going to tweet out our recommendation for the day each day. That's right. Through October. Oh, that's right. I forgot that. That's so you all can follow so along we will, with us. We'll remind you. We'll remind you every yeah. day mm-hmm. of what you should be watching. <laughs> and and you know if we're really on top of our game, we'll watch and we'll live tweet it and you can watch it along with us we'll see if we actually do that i don't know if we're gonna commit to that but that would be fun and if you guys you know think of anything that we might have forgotten we definitely want to hear because i think all of all three of us and i assume all of our listeners have a lot of little tricks up our sleeve of like hidden gems that we think are really great but people don't really know about and i'm always looking for those things well anything else guys next episode's gonna be really good though we're working on some really good guests that i'm super excited about it's a mystery because it's october yeah spooky. it's gonna be our spooky sound special (laughs) (laughs) which you can play at your halloween party you're welcome (laughs) if you want people to leave your party early an hour of ghost noises that's it Uh, (laughs) sirens of scream is a member of the mega nerd media family Visit MegaNerdMedia.com for geek-related columns, reviews, interviews, and videos, which is also where you can see our interview with the guys Andrew and Ryan from Monster Squad. Monster Squad, yep, and a whole bunch of other stuff. I'm I'm super into all of the listicles and all the things that are going up over there you can also if you have any comments or suggestions or if you want to be a guest or anything you can contact us at sos at meganerdmedia.com or on twitter at sirens of scream um you can find us on tumblr sirens of and we have a facebook page which we appreciate any kind of you know follows and comments and all that it's really fun to interact with you guys on there melissa where can people find you on on insta and twitter and all that you can 
can find me at Lissa Punch, L-I-S-S-A Punch on Instagram and Twitter. And Jackie, where can people find you? I am Jackie the Robot on Twitter and Instagram. And really, I'm posting a shitload of Halloween prop builds on Instagram yes. right now. Yeah, you should absolutely be following Jackie because they look so cool and they make me want to do crafts and all that kind of cool stuff too. And I'm C- at Sierra Houck on the internet. And I think that, oh, that was so much information. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. <laughs> Happy October, yeah. everybody. Yeah.